has come and gone, and I was wrong. I was way wrong. Not just a little bit wrong. I was way wrong. The NFL draft's hard to predict. There were some some surprise picks, Matt, specifically referencing the Oklahoma Sooners and what transpired for this streak of at least four players being drafted in each of the drafts for the past 14 years. But when I look at this draft, I know that you and I went through our rankings. I shouldn't say rankings. You and I went down our predictions. And yes, wrong. Some of us were a little bit closer on some of the picks, but there was one name I think we completely missed on. And I think you and I have a good reasoning for that, but we'll get into it here in a bit. Well, this is the Sooner Nation podcast. We're going to talk baseball, bedlam, softball coming up. We've got some football recruiting. We're going to go over true or false. I'm asking Rich the questions this week, but let's let's stick here with the NFL draft for just a second. Rich, here, here were my predictions a week ago when we recorded this podcast. I had Ronnie Perkins going in the second round, Creed Humphrey going in the third round. I had Trey Brown going in the sixth round. Adrian Ely going in the sixth round. I had Ramondre Stevenson going in the seventh round. And then I had Trey Norwood as an undrafted free agent. All I can do is shake Didn't my head. Didn't get a single one of them right. If you could see me sitting here, Matt, I know that you can, but you as the listener, I, I'm shaking my head at that Ramondre Stevenson. And I fought hard for Stevenson you did, you did, on you the did. day that we recorded this, which was a week ago, first round of the NFL draft was happening as that was being recorded live. Needless to say, I, I saw no way that Stevenson was a seventh round pick. In fact, I said that he may be a better value pick than a guy like a, a Trey Sermon. Now, that didn't happen. I was going to say, Trey that, Sermon did. I was yeah, right about that. Yes. Trey Sermon went ahead say, of him. That did not happen, but Stevenson, not too, too far behind there in the fourth round, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so here we go. Here's how it actually broke down. Uh, Creed Humphrey. I was close with Creed Humphrey and Ronnie Perkins. I, I mean, I know close doesn't count, but that, those were the two I was the closest on. Creed goes late in the second round, the 63rd overall pick um, to the Kansas City Chiefs. I love that spot for him. Now, did you hear the story? I'm going to interrupt about, you really quickly. About Orlando Brown? About Orlando yeah, Brown. Yeah, go yeah. ahead and say it, though, in case our listeners haven't. Yeah. Um, it's a great I, story. I thought this was a cool moment, and it speaks to the character of a guy like Orlando Brown. And if you'll remember, Orlando Brown's story into the NFL was one that was a little bit troubled and saw some ups and downs that I don't think anybody could have predicted. Here's a guy who played on the best offensive line in college football and was possibly the best offensive lineman of that entire group. Creed Humphrey is the fifth one from that group to be drafted, which means every single one of those was drafted in the NFL and is currently on an NFL roster. But when you look at Orlando Brown, a lot of it came down to technique for him over the power. And it's worked out for him at the NFL level. He is now with the Kansas City Chiefs. But he, the story being told is that he was advocating for mm -hmm. Creed Humphrey and the type of talent that he is and the type of talent, not just that Creed Humphrey is, but that Bill Biedenboe consistently produces out of Norman with the Oklahoma Sooners as the offensive line coach. So kudos to him for... I guess, tapping back into his roots. Right. And what gave him that opportunity to play in the NFL? Yeah. And, and Bill Biedenboe, you know, continues to put guys in the NFL at a high level. And um, it's like, it's like quarterbacks to Lincoln Riley. You know, if you're an offensive lineman, you, you, you got to listen to Bill Biedenboe. When he calls, you're going to listen. Yeah. And those talks are definitely going to start swirling, mentioning quarterbacks with Spencer Rattler this year. 
Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that later. Um, Ronnie Perkins, uh, I hated the fact that Ronnie Perkins and Ramondre Stevenson went to the New England Patriots. I, I wanted my Dolphins to get Ronnie Perkins so bad. And they had they had multiple chances, but they didn't. Ronnie goes in the third round. Ramondre goes in the fourth round. And it's so hard, Rich, when you're when – you're, the guys that you've cheered for through their collegiate careers go to the rival of your favorite NFL team. It is so hard. But again, uh, I I was so wrong on Ramondre Stevenson. I really thought the lack of tape and the suspension was going to hurt him. And I, I think, honestly, Rich, I think it hurt uh, the suspension hurt Ronnie Perkins more than it hurt Ramondre because you got Ronnie going later than than what people anticipated and Ramondre going, later than his talent level would right. suggest. And Ramondre, not just what people were thinking. Ramondre coming up way earlier than, than what was anticipated. Even with me, I had him late, you know, but other people had him fifth, sixth round. So yeah, I, I, I can't argue with the pick. I can't argue with the reasoning that people were saying Stevenson should fall a little bit later and be more of a value than he already is, in my opinion, in the fourth round. And if you'll recall, Matt, I said that Stevenson would be a high ceiling, high value guy in the fourth round because of the lack of mileage that he had. Apparently, those are the kind of sentiments. Those are the kinds of statements that clicked with some of these NFL execs where they said, yes, we have him on our draft board. Yes, we have him as one of the first four guys, first five guys that we would like to take in this draft. And ultimately what happens is you have to say, if we don't get him here, he's probably not going to be available by our next pick. So we're going to pull the trigger and we are going to take this running back. And 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 let's say this, because what Stevenson, what Perkins were suspended for is something that is legal in the state of Oklahoma, even though they were suspended for it. I get the NCAA guidelines. So the question is, are you willing to overlook some of those things? Because legally, in a court of law, that passes. There's no issue there. Whereas by NCAA bylaws, which the NFL doesn't play by, by NCAA bylaws, they were forced to have some kind of a consequence. To me, I'm saying these guys in, in the professional realm are overlooking a lot of that and wanting to know in interviews, in conversations, how did they handle it? What was their course to get back onto the field? And how did they use it as a motivator? And if you answer all of those questions correctly in an appealing way to someone who is making a decision on draft day, of course, you're going to be bumped up their list. I said a lot. Well, no, I'm just saying stum- stumped you. No, I, I'm thinking is maybe maybe more importantly when it comes to that suspension, um, it's it's what did you learn? You know, what did you learn from the suspension? What what did you learn from this situation? Because, and, and I've said this, I said this so many times. It doesn't matter what your opinion is on on marijuana. It doesn't matter the legality of marijuana in the state of Oklahoma. What matters is what was the rule? The rule for the NCAA is it's illegal. And so you got a group of guys who put themselves ahead of the team. Yes. In a I key knew you moment. Would go there. Well, it, that's because that's the issue at hand. It the is. legality is not the issue at hand. It's not. And but the, the issue at hand is what did you learn from this? Mm-hmm. H- how much? How? And I do know. I can tell you both with Ramondre Stevenson and Ronnie Perkins. I can verifiably tell you it killed them to not play in that bowl game. It killed them to watch their teammates through the first five games of this season. I know that. So I think when when they had those interviews, 
and that exec or that scout said, tell me about this. What did you learn from it? I think they learned. I'm, I won't do that again. And apparently they bought in, you know, especially with Ramondre going in the fourth round. And mm-hmm. so you, you got to, again, kudos to those guys. I'm well, happy. I'm, I just want to, I want to put this out there. I, I'm not that guy's like, oh, I was wrong. And then they, these guys don't know what they're talking about. Cause no, I'm happy. I'm happy. I was wrong. Because this means better opportunity. It means more more guaranteed money up front, a better chance to secure a multi-year contract as a rookie that's favorable. Because um, once you get into like like uh you know Trey Norwood, okay, I, we had Trey Norwood. Uh, we both had him as an undrafted free agent. It was seventh round. Well, no, you had Trey. I had oh, Trey, Trey Norwood. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, yes. I had Trey Brown go in the seventh round again. Wrong. Trey Brown goes in the in the fourth round. Um, but um, Trey Norwood goes in the seventh round. And again, kudos to Trey Norwood for getting drafted by the Pittsburgh Steelers. But Trey Norwood is going to go into camp without a guaranteed contract because he's a seventh round pick. So he's got more work to do to earn that spot than what Trey Brown or Ramondre Stevenson have going in the fourth round. That's why that's big. And then one other guy, I had Adrian Ely. Uh, I had him going in the sixth round and he actually was the undrafted free agent that I expected Trey Norwood to be. And I think he lands in a, in a pretty good spot there in Baltimore. And so that, you know, there, there it is. There's the recap. I was wrong, but I love the fact that I was wrong because I feel like Oklahoma was well represented uh, Four four players again in the draft. I, we're going to get into 2022 later on. I think it might be a stretch to find four in 2022, but still, Overall, a good draft for Oklahoma. The big knee-jerk reaction is no one from the Big 12 taken in the first round. So then you got all all these people that think the grass is greener on the other side of the fence. They're going to say, we got to get out of the Big 12 because this isn't good for Oklahoma, which is complete, just utter crap because it's not true. And but so here's the thing. You got this group of people saying, we got to get out of the Big 12. Be, because it's not good for Oklahoma. Because this year there was no first-round draft picks from the Big 12. That same group is going to make fun of programs like Texas A&M who are touting the SEC for all of the Alabama draft picks. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, you, you can't say, well, we got to get out of the Big 12 because there's no first-round draft picks and then make fun of Texas A&M for touting Alabama's draft picks. Are you telling me you, you don't think in this Big 12 right now you don't think there's any first-round draft picks? Because I'm looking at Oklahoma's roster, and I see two next year. I see at least one. I, I, I see think, two. I'm think, telling you right now there's two. I think there's a blatant, obvious one. We'll talk about that. Uh, you, you, but you look, you look across the Big 12, and I just, it was just a down year. Conferences have down years. And the fact that you want to you wanna bolt the Big 12 because there was no first-round draft picks – what you're saying is that Oklahoma's in bad shape. Oklahoma's in bad shape because if you take that same logic, no first-round draft picks for Oklahoma. So what are we going to do? Do we need to fire Lincoln Riley? No, that's just that's crazy talk. And it's the same type of crazy talk that you got to jump out of the Big 12 because there's no first-round draft picks. So um, let, let's move on real, real fast. One thing, another area where we were wrong last week, Bedlam Baseball. We, we, we closed out the podcast going, do you think Oklahoma can win just one game in Bedlam? Do you, do you think they can just get, get one win out of this series? And they, they completely hammered Oklahoma State in the first game. 
hung on to win a, a, a good contested game in the second and lost in extra innings in the third. This, this was a series that the Sooners absolutely had to have. Now they've got, they've, they've lost, they got hammered by Texas Tech midweek, by the way. They go to West Virginia this weekend. Then you've got one more with Oklahoma State coming up on May 11th, a non-conference game. Then you got the series with Texas Tech and Baylor. They're not out of the woods yet, but they're in better standings clearly than what they were before Bedlam, sitting at 22 and 21 on the year. Here, here's my question, Rich. I, th- this is going to be a very difficult end of the season for Oklahoma when you look at the schedule that's in front of them. Did they do enough in the Bedlam series to make you think, okay, 20, 21 and 20, or 22 and 21 on the season, six and nine in conference play. Can they make a push to get in the NCAA tournament? That's a tough question to answer on the surface. I, I think Oklahoma is looking at this as a momentum builder. Of course, Texas Tech, solid program, solid team this year. Oklahoma, as you mentioned, dropping that midweek contest. But I think they're looking at the the remaining series on their schedule and saying, if if we could win, I don't know that they need to win all of them, but if they can win even just a, a few of those, they, they do like their chances. Why, Matt, is because that late season push, I ultimately believe will erase any perceptions that any NCAA tournament birth people, people who have control over that, who are, are handing out those bids, anyone who looks at what you do later in the season as teams are more developed, I, I do think they give it a little bit more weight. So again, Oklahoma is looking at the win in Bedlam, a good Oklahoma State program, and they're looking to build upon that. I still don't know that they're capable. I won't. This is my blanket statement for this team is I won't believe it until I see it. Can they get into the NCAA tournament? I think there's an outside shot, but right now I, I would have to say no. I Here's what I think. I think they absolutely have to win the West Virginia series. I, I think they have to take one from Baylor um, to have a chance. I don't think they're going to beat Texas Tech. I, I think they're going to get swept against Texas Tech. So when you look at that, closing that out, I, I, that West Virginia series, to me, that that's where the NCAA tournament that that's where it hinges right there. You got to take that series. And, um, and so that's where I am on that, but kudos to, to baseball for, for handling Oklahoma state and winning that series. Um, let's jump across the diamond to softball because we got a big, 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 big series coming up this weekend, Bedlam softball, Oklahoma playing at Oklahoma state. And, and this is it, Rich, the winner of this series will win the big 12 conference. And that's crazy to think because I initially thought that Texas would be the second best team in the Big 12. Well, they're 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 nine and six heading into this final weekend. Really, the Big 12 was Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. The Sooners a perfect 14 and 0 in conference play. Oklahoma State 14 and 1 in conference play. Both of them riding a 14 game winning streak coming in to this weekend series. And I, I say this a lot when it comes to when it comes to Oklahoma softball, if you've not bought in, if you've not tuned in, this is when you need to do it. This is this is big time softball this weekend. And not only that, it is picked up by ESPN, so you will have access right. to right. it. There's... I think I think Friday nights ESPN Plus, and then ESPNU uh, and ESPN Two Saturday and Sunday. I think that's how that is. But you're right. Yeah, there's no excuse for not watching it. Am I wrong? Because you're looking at me like I'm wrong. No, not at oh, all. Okay. Um, 
You just disappointed me when you added the plus. Oh yeah, sorry. I just saw ESPN. <laughs> I was like, well, that, um, that's an here, easy well, no-brainer. We, we, can, we we can jump on there, but then you add the plus. I'm I, I don't have that. We can pull that so up real I fast. I can tell you. I can't watch it, Matt. Here's what I wanted to say about this Oklahoma program versus Oklahoma State. These are two teams. If you'll remember, two years ago, we're playing in the Women's College World Series. They were two of the eight teams. Mm-hmm that were there. And of course, both representing the big 12. Now, Oklahoma state had some big moments. You and I were there for that. You got to hear the crowd erupt. Everyone will remember the bat flip who has followed the Oklahoma state program pretty closely. It's this infamous, infamous moment that will now live in their history. And they're once again, attempting to get back to that same level, but go even further than they once did. Oklahoma State is no joke. I know that you and I had a conversation here earlier in the week where you were saying that you're now worried about this Oklahoma State Cowgirls team on the diamond. And it's because I had initially brought up the idea of the rivalry. Mm -hmm. Rivalries always bring out the best. If there's anything that we've learned, the rankings don't matter here because you know that you're going to get your best shot from the other, the, the opposing ball club. When I look at Oklahoma, though, one of the hardest things to overcome for any opposing pitcher is this lineup from top to bottom. But I, I want to specifically single out Jocelyn Allo, who we know from her freshman year has been a star in the making. And then, of course, there's another freshman coming in and really taking up the steed and saying, I'm going to do basically what you've done and, and I'm going to try to push it and and be an all-around player. Not that Allo hasn't been for Oklahoma, even though she's played in the outfield. What I'm looking at is Tiara Jennings, who is, yeah. by the way, both of these are, are two names that are on the top 10 finalists for the player of the year, a very prestigious honor. And I know that I defined prestigious a couple weeks ago. Don't, don't. Just, just keep rolling. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> when I look at those two players, These are two players at the plate who seem to be able to do anything they want to Mm -hmm. against any pitcher with any arsenal of pitches. And that's extremely dangerous. How does Patty Gasso use those? How does she manipulate her lineup to get the best out of it is what's going to continuously throw these opposing pitchers and opposing coaches for this loop. Needless to say, Tiara Jennings has 22 home runs as a freshman. Jocelyn Allo, I know, is pacing. I believe she's pacing um, not only the team, but the NCAA in home runs. Right. Correct me there. No, you're right. I was going to say, correct me if I'm wrong. 23 um, games with home runs of OU's 41. These these are two players who are forces to be reckoned with. And if you can't figure out a solution for them, it doesn't matter what the rest of the lineup does. They're going to put runs in there, first off, they're going to put players in scoring position, and two, whoever comes up next is going to be the one who brings them home. Yeah, I mean, you're this is good. This is a big time softball this weekend. Both both teams in conference, 14 game winning streaks. I think actual actuality, when you look at the whole schedule altogether, Oklahoma's on a seven game winning streak. Oklahoma State uh, on a three game winning streak. But regardless, this is big time softball. Number one versus number nine. This is what this is what you tune in for, and it's going to be uh, a lot of fun. We've got uh, true or false coming up, and I'm asking the questions, and then we're going to give you the recruiting roundup and some really really good news for Oklahoma in terms of 2023. Rich got one more thing to yeah, say before we um, close out. You know, I had mentioned the finalists for the Player of the Year softball. Are you surprised that we're seeing these two names and not seeing a name like Giselle Juarez appear on that list? 
No, no, I'm not at all. Um, I wrote an article several um, several weeks back, basically said this is Jocelyn Allo's position to lose. But if you look at T.R. Jennings and the numbers that she's putting up compared to what Jocelyn Allo is doing, um, it, it's phenomenal. Just just fantastic what she's doing. And um, and so clearly, look, I'll I'll tell you this. I know a lot of people have a kind of a, a bad perception of Shannon Sale because of what happened in that Georgia, that first game in the Georgia series. Shannon Sale has been spectacular this year, spectacular. And I think it would be hard to, to single out Giselle Juarez and not Shannon Sale or Shannon Sale and not Giselle Juarez. And, and because of that, I, I don't think you can go with just one pitcher, but clearly the story to me, the story of this Oklahoma softball team has been what, Tiara Jennings and and Jocelyn Allo are doing on any given night. You already mentioned it. There there's no soft spot in this lineup, but you absolutely have to dance around these two ladies, or they'll take you deep in a heartbeat. Yeah. <laughs> All right, <laughs> man. Here's here's what's crazy. Let me just follow it up with this. We'll pass it on to the true or false. Um, when you hear some of the numbers from Jocelyn Allo, they're very eye popping. And I think a lot of that is expected from her, but knowing that she's pacing not only the team, not only the Big 12, but also the NCAA, you feel as though she's just running away with it. I agree. I agree. Especially as a senior. Mm -hmm. But then here's this this freshman, someone who's new to the collegiate game, someone who's adjusting to the speed and the talent that is possessed at this level by each and every program that Oklahoma has scheduled in conference as well as out of conference. And, And again... Tiara Jennings is saying, I, I'm going to follow suit. You know, I said 23 games with home runs for Allo. You know how many Jennings has? It's 18. That's not too right. far for a freshman. Her. Yeah. Right. And, and I think the initial spark was there. I think the initial boost of confidence came against that opener against UTEP for Oklahoma because Jennings hit three home runs yeah. in that one. Yeah. No, yeah. It's, it's going to be fun because she's on the, a very similar career path. And mm-hmm. what's going to be, for me, what's going to be interesting to watch with her is, you know, Jocelyn Allo kind of had some, her adjustment period came her sophomore year. Now, now Jocelyn Allo came from Hawaii. You, so her, her soft, what? So, so her adjustment period, I thought her, she had the sophomore slump because well, everybody figured, hey, no, we can't no, throw she had, to her. she had some, you, you go back and read the articles and listen to some of her comments. She, she really struggled not just on the diamond her sophomore year. She struggled with being away from home. She struggled with life in general, you know, as far as being a college student, the, the workload of being a student athlete. There were, there were several adjustments that most people make their freshman year. She, it was such a, a, a swoon of busting onto the scene with fall ball and then her exploding that freshman season, her performance in the World Series, that really her sophomore year is when all those, everything stacked up on top of her. Um, so I'm curious to see how they treat that with Jennings going into next season. Okay, here we go. True or false coming up next. True or false. The part of the podcast where we get to throw true or false statements out at each other and answer them based on our opinion. Sometimes we argue sometimes we don't, but here we go, Rich. I've got five for you. And once again, reached out to the folks on Twitter and try to get some, some social media stuff in here. So uh, they're not all originals from me, but I'm going to start with this one. This one is from me. 
and we were talking about softball. We're talking about the the power of this Oklahoma softball team. Everybody knows about the deep run that they've made um, into the postseason the last several years, not including last year because of COVID. But we know about the dominance of the Big 12, winning out the outright regular season title, winning the conference title, um, the, the conference tournament title. But this weekend will determine the regular season Big 12 champion. True or false? Oklahoma will continue its dominance of the Big 12 with a softball sweep at Oklahoma State this weekend. I'm going to go with true. And your eyes say you disagree with me. No, I'm scared. I'm I'm not saying I disagree. I think, remember, I thought that they, at home, mm -hmm. I thought it was likely or possible that they would drop one to Texas. And they just dominated Texas. I, I feel the same way. They're going on the road to Stillwater, and I can easily see a situation like in, in Georgia where they drop a game like they did to the Bulldogs, and then they come back and hammer Oklahoma State. I don't know. I, I, I honestly have no idea what to expect this weekend. That's why I'm asking you. I am going with True still in this moment, and I think the Georgia game for Oklahoma was was a wake-up call. All this pressure had been put upon Oklahoma as the number one, as the unbeaten, to continue to to run the gauntlet. Now, if you'll remember, that Georgia game materialized out of nothing after some cancellations. Mm-hmm. Oklahoma goes to the East Coast. They play on the road in an unfamiliar arena. And yes, they do get bees, but it wasn't to say that Oklahoma wasn't in that game. In fact, they had their opportunities. Georgia just had all the momentum from start to finish, basically. And Oklahoma was relying on big hits to just stay in it, to push this thing into extra innings and things of that nature. When they dropped that game, all of a sudden that that pressure was relieved. I'm not saying that Oklahoma isn't still facing this idea of being the best team in the country because clearly they're the unanimous number one. But the truth for me is I think that was a wake-up call. It also burst this bubble of the undefeated season. There was no no longer this pressure of what happens when we lose. We know exactly how Oklahoma responds when they lose. And I think they're going to continue to use that mentality of saying one game at a time. Mm -hmm. And they're going to basically chop their opponents down one by one game by game. It doesn't matter how good of a program it is. There's not, there's not a team that's quite like Oklahoma this year. Now there are teams that can challenge them. And I do think Oklahoma state is one of those. So I, I want to take a step backwards in this argument that I'm making for the true statement and say that I'm not expecting run rule games here. Okay. I'm not expecting that at all. I am expecting a defensive battle. I am expecting some home runs to be hit. And the truth of the matter for me is Oklahoma has better hitters than Oklahoma State. And because of that, I do have to give them that slight edge, even though they're playing on the road. Okay, and I don't think I ever went back and clarified this, but Friday night, 6 p.m. start time, that is ESPN+. Plus. Saturday is 3 p.m., and that's ESPN. And then Sunday, it's an 11 a.m. It's an early game on Sunday, 11 a.m., and that's on ESPNU. All right, so we're going to step out of Diamond Sports, go back to football for the basically the remainder of this podcast because we're going to do the last four of the true or false, and then we're going to hit up some football recruiting news. But um, second true or false question, this is from me. Um, we haven't got to the listeners yet, but here we go. Uh, NFL draft is over with for 2021, but true or false, Spencer Rattler will be the first sooner taken off the board in next year's NFL draft. Without question. 
Um, that one is true for me. Barring any kind of a mishap, barring any kind of an injury, Spencer Rattler is the type of talent that Oklahoma has become accustomed to seeing at the quarterback position. He's the next evolution in the fact that he's not a transfer quarterback playing under Lincoln Riley and learning from what many people consider the greatest quarterbacks coach in the college realm right now. So when we look at Spencer Rattler and we look at the tools that we that he has, we look at the athleticism, we look at the arm strength, I think it's a no-brainer that Spencer Rattler is considered a first-round pick without any kind of testing, without any kind of a litmus placed upon him, without any kind of measurables at this point in time. Every sign points to him being the number one overall draft pick in the upcoming draft. Now, I'm not saying that's a reality to happen, but that's the type of talent that Spencer Rattler is, can be, and will have to live up to this year. Again, it depends on how this year plays out for me, though, Matt. I mean, if he absolutely folds and regresses back to pre-Texas form, the concerns of turnovers are once again going to become prevalent. They're going to be at the forefront of the mind, and that will be the big question, and he won't opt for the NFL draft. But if he continues the same similar trajectory after that Texas game of taking care of the ball, still taking risks, don't get me wrong, but calculated risks with a high reward and a high completion percentage, I'm okay with that. This trajectory that he's on is going to carry him to the the top of the NFL draft board. I just don't know if that's number one for me right now. Okay. Um, now, I said we'd come back to this, so we'll use, use this opportunity as the time to talk about it. I currently have, and it, keep in mind, I was so wrong about the 2021 draft, but currently I have Spencer Rattler and Nick Bonito as first-round draft picks in 2022. I think Eric Gray could be a draft pick. Who's the fourth? Would it be Kennedy Brooks? Would it be Wanya Morris? I mean, do, do you think is Oklahoma, I guess this is the bonus. Is Oklahoma going to continue the run of four, four draft picks consecutive years? Does that, does that continue on into 2022? Oh man. Cause it's not a guarantee that Wanya Morris is going to come out. It's not a guarantee that Eric Gray is going to come out. I, I think it's more likely that Eric Gray comes out and then you add Kennedy Brooks in the mix. There's four right there. But I'm just kind of, you know, a, a year away, I'm putting you on the spot. You are. You certainly are. It, I know you're throwing out names like Eric Gray. I know you're throwing out names like um, Wanya Morris. These are guys that we haven't seen play for the Crimson and Cream. We haven't seen them in this schematic. We haven't seen exactly what they can do. Um, So I'm going to take a turn on you and... Not answer the question? No, I am going to answer the question, but I'm going to defer on the Tennessee transfers for now. And I'm going to bring up another name that I think has a lot of potential. Drake Stoops. And will continue to draw eyeballs. It's Perry and Winfrey. No, that's a great point. That that's that's a a, a very solid point. And and you 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 know you look at a guy like like DTL. You know, if Trey Norwood could get drafted in the seventh round, when we thought he was an, an undrafted free agent, does a guy like DTL have an even better chance? Um, Jaden Davis. And so I, I guess I'm I'm going down this list and I'm saying I I think there's there's a a better than solid chance Oklahoma continues that streak in the next mm-hmm. year. Um, but the first rounders, they definitely returned with, with, right. with a first rounder in Spencer Rattler, and I think a first rounder in Nick Benito. See, I, I can see three. I can three see three overall. from last year's roster. Three, three. from last year's okay. roster. Getting drafted in general Getting or drafted first round? in 2022. Okay. Not in the first round. Okay. In, in general, that fourth option, 
that's a head scratcher. That's a really big head scratcher right now. Could it be a Kennedy Brooks? Absolutely. But what is he going to look like after the year off? There are, right, right. there are point. some conditioning concerns. I know that those have been expressed by more than just myself. And knowing that we didn't get to see a full on spring game from Kennedy Brooks, those questions still exist for me. Mm-hmm. Eric Gray was the star out of, out of the backfield. No questions asked about it. Kennedy Brooks has the track record though. Mm-hmm. And so again, there, there are, I, I, Matt, I'll say it this way. There are some prospects that I think will enter the NFL draft and will look at being a, 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 a day three draft pick for sure. I just don't know who that's going to be. And you always have those guys like Trey Norwood, who you think, what are you doing? Adrian Ely. What, why, why are you going right now? And it, it paid off. They got drafted. Well, Adrian Ely didn't, but Trey Norwood got drafted. So you you look at this roster and you think, who are going? To, who are those guys going to be? Who are those guys that are just going to take that leap of faith and go like an Adrian Ely, like a Trey Norwood, like a Trey Brown? And you never know when those guys are going to jump in Ooh. there. What you got? A kicker, Gabe. I don't know, man. The NFL draft. No, is, he's not a senior though. You he, don't come out early as a kicker unless the, the NFL draft has surprised me. Like that. No, Gabe's <laughs> not occasion. coming. Out. He's going to be a junior, okay. right? I don't know. We'd have to look that up. I'm going to look it up. I, I think it, he's here's got one more year. the problem for us, Matt, and being Oklahoma Sooner fans and looking at the kickers is they assume the role at a very, very early stage in their career, and then they they refuse to relinquish relinquish that role. Think about Austin Seibert. It seemed like he was on campus forever. I bet other teams and I bet their fan bases were saying, is this kid ever going to graduate? Mm-hmm. No, Gabe's, and they're going to feel that way because Gabe's only going to be a redshirt junior next year. <laughs> so, 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 so there you have it. Okay, so let's move on. Uh, my, third, my third true or false question. Um, we've never really had a chance to talk about this. It's a little bit of older news, but there's, there's some controversy stirring up around it. Uh, after the spring game, Drake Stoops was awarded a scholarship uh, to play football at the University of Oklahoma. Anybody who knows this program knows the value of Drake Stoops, and you got to literally be living under a rock not to recognize the Stoops' name. Controversy is brewing out of this because here you're giving Bob Stoops' kid, who's probably going to school free anyway, as a part of Bob's contract with the university, you're giving him a football scholarship that could have gone to somebody else. True or false? Drake Stoops going on scholarship should not be controversial. It shouldn't be. So you're saying Absolutely. True. It, it shouldn't be. That is a true statement. And here's why. Is when you look at an individual, they don't want to live in somebody else's shadow for the rest of their mm-hmm. life. They do want to establish themselves under their own name. I get here in Norman, I get in the state of Oklahoma that Bob Stoops is synonymous with the Oklahoma Sooners, but Drake Stoops is not. And the way that I feel about it, Matt, is this way. And this is a simple one-line statement that will cover the rest of my thoughts on this situation. Is if someone puts in the work right, and, they, and they earn it. I see no problem yeah. with that. And I'm with you. If you get, that's, that's the angle. It doesn't matter who your daddy is, and it doesn't matter how much money your daddy has. Right. A, a lot of people would take that into consideration and not put in the work because they're going to school for free anyway. Mm-hmm. But when you look at this kid, understanding who his daddy is, understanding not only the money that his dad has, but the contract and the connection for both of these dudes to go to school free at the university of Oklahoma. Yet he continually put in the work. It wasn't good enough for him to be on the team. He had to be on the team and work his way into a productive role. He was the hero of the Texas game. 
So by saying, by saying you don't deserve that scholarship because of who your daddy is, you're simultaneously saying, doesn't matter how hard you work. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter how hard you work, we're not going to give it to you because of who you're connected to. Drake, and, go ahead. Drake Stoops, number five on the list of receivers from last year, behind Marvin Mims, Theo Weiss, Austin Stogner, and Charleston Rambo, all starters right. on this roster. Drake Stoops comes in with, with the 15 catches, two touchdowns, average of uh, 21.9 yards per game, but 14.6 per catch. Mm-hmm. This is a kid, like you're saying, Matt, I, I'm just, we're echoing each other's sentiments at this point. This is a kid who came in as a preferred walk-on and said, that's not good enough for right. me. And when he worked himself to a point, like you're saying, as a contributor, as a guy who was extremely reliable in, in the situations that they used him in, anytime he was targeted, I don't really recall too many drops right. coming from him. I do re- I do recall the same call from the audience anytime he caught a pass of the elongated Stoops name. Right. But needless to say, I come back to if you put the work in, you've shown that you have the work ethic, you've shown that you have the drive, you show that you have a passion for the game, I think that should be rewarded. Regardless of No, who you and are. I'm 100% on board with this. And and I'll take it a step further and just say that the the someone else deserved that or could have used that, that that argument's rubbish because that's always going to be the case. Any anytime you award a walk-on a scholarship, guess what? There's other walk-ons who don't get one. There's always going to be other walk-ons who don't get one. And it's, again, it's not about who his dad is. It's about the work that this kid's put in to deserve and to earn that. You think Lincoln Riley gave him that scholarship because of who his dad is? Not a chance. Lincoln Riley gave him that scholarship because of the work that he put in. So the reverse question that I'm throwing back at you is, do you think Stoops had to work harder because of his name in order to earn that no, scholarship? No, that's, that's a great point. That's a, a solid point. And the, the answer to that question is probably going to be a yes because of that perception. Oh, he's just giving that to him because of who Bob Stoops is. No, that's again, it's you, Mm -hmm. you can't comment about what you don't know. You know what I'm saying? You can have an opinion, but you can't make it fact. And the, the people that are just sticking to their guns and making this a factual thing that somebody else could use that scholarship. Yeah. Well, that's across the board at every collegiate program regardless of sport in the nation there's always going to be somebody who could have used the scholarship but that doesn't mean you don't reward the ones who work their tails off to get it and guess what there drake stoops is not going to be the last walk-on to get awarded a scholarship at the university of oklahoma it's going to happen somewhere else down the line in addition to that Drake Stoops has earned a nickname with the team, which means that he is well-respected. Yeah. I didn't know this before, and I'm looking this up in this moment as you and I are speaking here, Matt. He's earned a nickname on the team. He's built that relationship. But it's easy for us to look at a guy like Drake Stoops and forget that he's put the work in for four years. Yeah. For four years. Well, this is his fourth year. Um, but he's put the work in consistently and shown that he's going to show up every day to practice and he's not going to take a day off. So again, I, I have to applaud him. Uh, I don't know that there's a lot of people who would continue to put that kind of effort in and never be rewarded for it. That Those are the people who, when no reward comes, they step away and they quit. So you, you just going to leave us in the dark on that nickname? Oh, you? Didn't, I thought you knew what it was. You like, Well, the listeners may not know. It's Drizzy. Drizzy? 
See, I, I would call him Stoops Doggy Dog or something like that. Um, okay, here we go. Um, going into our our fan, our listener questions. This comes from our Twitter friend Gonzo Strangelove. It's funny you mentioned wide receiver drops earlier, Rich, because Gonzo says the problem with wide receivers dropping passes will likely sort itself out and won't be a problem in 2021. True or false? I'm going with true yet again. No surprise there, right? True on this one, because this is a room that is extremely deep. There's a lot of talent at the wide receiver position for Oklahoma. They are going to be able to enter the 2022 season and have consequences for bad plays. When you look at any any receiver who should make a catch, but instead turns up field, it's easy to say, no, 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 we're, we're going to come out and we're going to put Marvin Mims in your position, or we're going to put Theo Weiss, or we're going to put Jaden Hazelwood, or we're going to put Mike Woods in that position. Heck, we could even keep going down further on this list and look at some of the true freshmen coming in. We say, you know what, Mario Williams, it's your shot. This is your opportunity. And the receiving room goes a lot further than just wide receivers. You've got to count the H-backs in that because you know that they're going to play a role. Some of them can line up in the slot and make these linebackers pay when they fail to mm-hmm. to rotate or cover properly. Needless to say, the tight ends are going to factor in to that as well. I, I'm looking at a room, as I've said, that is extremely deep. It is rich with talent. There are no slouches here at the University of Oklahoma at that position because you know that you're going to compete for a spot. So any mistakes, I, I do expect to sort themselves out, as is mentioned verbatim there. I do expect them to sort themselves out because it's it's an easy, easy next man up situation. Make a mistake. I'm putting someone in, in your place. I and I love the fact that that's the that's the direction you went with this because one of those guys who's going to have to overcome some drops is Theo Weiss. And when you look at the the departure pending departure of Trajan Bridges, you know, you get the Woods kid in from Arkansas, you didn't lose depth really. Theo Weiss is he's going to have to man up, you know, and 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 own that. And uh, I, I, I agree 100% again, and I, I really can't add anything. So let's go to our final final question. Here we go. Uh, again, Gonzo Strangelove. Um, true or false with Oklahoma's underwhelming out-of-conference schedule in 2021, style points will matter even more than usual. Before you answer the question, let me give you the out-of-conference schedule, uh, the opponents, in case you weren't aware of them. Sooners are at Tulane on September 4th, and then they host – Western Carolina and Nebraska, September 11th and September 18th. Um, you know, name brand, you get Nebraska in there. Quality of the play on the field, you really don't have a lot there. Do I need to repeat the question? Because I kind of went down a hole. No, I'm, okay. I'm going to go with with false. Style points aren't really going to matter mm-hmm. for Oklahoma, and it comes down to where they're starting in these preseason polls. I do believe Oklahoma will be a top four preseason team now that's not the college football playoff poll i understand that that is not their rankings which will come much later in the season the one thing that oklahoma will have to have to produce or excuse me fail to produce is a loss because i do think in the big 12 this upcoming year with a weak non-conference schedule one loss puts them on the outside looking in puts them at that six seven position once again, heading into the postseason, as those final college football playoff rankings go, Oklahoma is going to have a potent offense, though. Can they go for style points? Absolutely. I think of Lincoln Riley as a classy coach, a guy who respects the game and respects his opponents. Ergo, they won't run up the score. 
this goes back even when Lincoln Riley was just the offensive coordinator with Samaj P. Ryan, who has a clear path into the end zone, but a trickle down nature, this mentality and this idea of we're going to respect the game and we're going to respect our opponent. P. Ryan takes the knee there. I think that's still the case for this team where they can run up the score if they so choose. But looking down the line and getting some of these younger players, especially these talented freshmen that are coming in and these talented sophomores who didn't really get to see the field much, but did see it enough to not redshirt last year will be the priority moving forward. Uh, yes. Again, I'm, I am in firm agreement with you. I, I wanted to here. Here's my counter. Well, my, my answer to this, I don't think it matters either. I don't think style points matter because you're going to you're you're playing inferior opponents already. So you're going to you should beat them. Whether you beat them 75 to 3 or 50 to 12, you've still firmly established dominance over them. Um, 2020 was a weird year. The SEC did not play out of conference football. Um, but LSU. They won the national championship in 2019. Oklahoma fans know this because they steamrolled over the Sooners in the Peach Bowl. But can you name LSU's out of non-conference opponents in in 2019? Um, just one because it was the big, possibly the biggest game of the year. It was the the shootout in Austin. Right. So that's, had, that's the yeah, only yeah, one so I you can had, tell you. You had Texas. LSU. I'm gonna guess Georgia Southern may have been one. Georgia Southern. Um, I don't know SMU. No, there's two more, two more out of. No, out of I, I I couldn't guess them, and so, I'm not going to try and right, waste so, your time. So you, well, kudos for Georgia Southern. Um, but then there's that, that's a staple for the SEC, right? Though. So then there's that's an easy guess for any team. It would be one I would throw out for Alabama as well. Then there's uh September 14th, they played Northwestern State, and then they played Utah State on October 5th. So Texas, I mean, basically what I'm saying is Texas is your Nebraska, okay. So, so that, that there's your 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 name brand. Then you you played a bunch of a bunch of you're buying wins. You know you're buying experience for Joe Burrow and that group of receivers. You, you're buying opportunity to get exposure. And so that's basically what Oklahoma's doing in 2021. You've got the name brand in Nebraska that's going to turn in eyeballs on TV. It's going to sell a bunch of alumni tickets. But the other games, you're just you're going to you're going to you're going to play Tulane in New Orleans. That's a recruiting trip. That's not let's not lose sight of what that's all about. You're going into SEC territory, and I promise you, Thursday and Friday, maybe even Saturday morning, 75% of Oklahoma's assistant coaches are involved in recruiting in one way or the other that week. That's a recruiting trip. You don't go to play Tulane just so you go get the experience, right? You go play Tulane so you can recruit while you're there. That's what that's all about. And then you're, the other games, you're just again, you're just buying wins and. um I, I don't think it has to be anything spectacular where you really got to score some style points. Now, when you get into conference play, maybe that changes. I, I think style points are more important against ranked opponents than I think they are against weak non-conference opponents. How do you feel about that? Make your statement one more time. I ranked think, opponents. Yeah, I think style points are more valuable against ranked opponents than they are against weak non-conference opponents. Think about 2008. Man. Think about from this perspective. 2008, OU had lost to Texas. Ryan Reynolds, linebacker, got hurt. That, I, I still believe that's the reason they lost because they lost Ryan Reynolds in that game. That game changed at that moment. But you lose to Texas. But then you got Texas Tech coming to Norman. And Texas Tech has the inside track to the BCS. And Oklahoma just 
steamrolled Texas Tech. That's the jump around game. That th- that that game right there meant more to Oklahoma's schedule than anybody they played non-conference. But because they steamrolled a top-ranked team in Norman, I think I think it just ha- it holds more weight when when you when you really just demolish a ranked opponent. That is more more people go whoa than when you demolish UTEP. Yeah, when you demolish them, I I was thinking of this in the opposite terms of saying what happens when an unranked opponent, when a team that has no business being on the field with you, your words here, Matt, when you're going in and buying wins, uh-huh. actually puts up a fight, no, actually yeah, challenges th- you, pushes you to the brink. That happens, but there's there's no is, one an Oklahoma schedule that's going to happen. Is with. that detrimental? Yeah, absolutely. And it doesn't matter what absolutely. you've done with the ranked if, side if OU of the If OU would have stumbled against Missouri State to start the 2020 season, it would have been bad, you know. But but they didn't stumble, and I, I mean there is a calculated. You, you mm-hmm. use the word calculated risk. Talk about Spencer Rattler. That's what you're doing. You're you're Lincoln Riley. You're going okay. I see this roster. I see the returning guys. Uh, Joe, let's let's go let's play them. We'll we'll, we'll actually go to to Lane and play them because I can make some recruiting calls while I'm there. Right. Yeah, you you work that out, but there's always the Appalachian State, Michigan situation, right. and um. Well, Michigan still hasn't recovered from that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay, so we gotta. So, okay. I'll I'll answer your question here, okay? Because I don't feel like I gave it a, a good a good statement, a good answer. Um, and it's you threw me for a loop because my mind went as I mentioned to the opposite of what you were stating and, and thinking how detrimental is it if you find yourself, as you mentioned, Appalachian state and Michigan there, I, I do think people, when you come in, you don't necessarily have to crush an opponent, but you have to assert dominance mm-hmm. over a ranked opponent and show that you were in control, not necessarily from start to finish, but for a majority of the game and that you were capable of doing what you wanted to anytime that you chose to do whatever it was in that scenario. I, I do think that holds a lot of weight and that holds a lot of um, clout with the individuals who were onlookers and potentially because we're, we're human, the people who are the co- on the college football playoff committee, they're human as well. And they can't sit down and watch every single game. So they are relying on a little bit of secondhand knowledge to form an opinion. That's where that's where things get tricky. And so when you see this controlled win over a ranked opponent, absolutely, I think it means more than a blowout win over a nobody. All right, so here we go. Um, big news for recruiting. We're going to close out the podcast by giving you that roundup. I usually don't get this far ahead on recruiting just because there's so many guys out there that know it better than me. and and they do a better job, honestly, than, than what we could do. But Oklahoma gets some really big-time news in terms of a 2023 quarterback that's – Rich, he's not just good. He, he's elite. And all the crystal ball predictions coming in at this point are favoring him to come to the University of Oklahoma. And that's where if you're if you're talking about Oklahoma football recruiting, there was some big news for the for the next class, 2022. But right now, all the talk is about Malachi Nelson, who is the number one prospect out of the state of California, the number two 
uh, pro-style quarterback in the 2023 class and the number four prospect nationally. And he's got right now 25 scholarship offers. And there's four crystal ball predictions that have come out with him this week. And all four of those are leaning towards the University of Oklahoma. And and I just I just feel like like when when you when you're looking this over, it's one thing when a guy like Brandon Drum, who covers that beat of recruiting, makes a crystal ball prediction for this guy to to come to the University of Oklahoma. But then it's a whole nother thing when a guy like Steve Wiltfong, who is the director of football recruiting for 24/7 Sports, when he throws out a a prediction like he did today, Greg, uh, what's the guy's name? Greg Biggins, who is the national recruiting analyst for 24 seven sports, throws out a prediction and, and their, their confidence level is high on, on the national level. Their confidence level is higher than on the local level. This is certainly something to watch. He's going to make his recruiting announcement, his commitment announcement in July. So we're two months away and some change from that happening. And like I said, I don't typically jump too far in into looking ahead because so much can change this kid just he's only played a sophomore year of high school but just the thought rich follow me here of having spencer rattler caleb williams and and now this kid malachi nelson 63 180 right now after a sophomore year I mean, just incredible potential here when it comes to landing these big-time quarterbacks, grooming them, and putting them in the NFL. When you have a track record, when you've built a reputation, you might as well lean into it. And I think players are beginning to see that, that it wasn't a fluke. The fact that Oklahoma put Baker Mayfield, now a starting quarterback in the NFL, regardless of where he was the draft pick. I know everybody wants to point out number one, but let's look at the fact of who's starting because not all number one picks pan out Baker Mayfield starting next year. Guess what? Kyler, Kyler Mayfield, Kyler Murray drafted also a starting quarterback in the NFL the following year. Guess what happens? That's right. Jalen hurts. The surprise pick of the NFL draft in the second round is now the starting quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles. When we look at that kind of a track record in such a short period of time, it's easy to say that this, this is an individual more importantly, this is a team that knows what they're doing and they're catering to their quarterbacks, which is skyrocketing them in the rankings, skyrocketing them on the NFL draft boards and landing them starting jobs at NFL franchises. Mm -hmm. I think that's very appealing to a guy who, since he was a, a small child, has probably dreamed of playing in the NFL. That's a big enough draw for me to begin to put some interest in what Lincoln Riley says and what the university of Oklahoma is doing, but Matt on the national recruiting level in 2023, Oklahoma's in on some, some, I know this is way, way out there, but Oklahoma's picked up several predictions in that draft class that I'm completely stunned by. We'll have to see how they shake out, but in the top 10, Oklahoma has three, three names that are projected to go to Norman, one of them is the number one overall recruit. I'm looking at the composites here. Number four, you've already mentioned Malachi Nelson. Number one is Lebius Overton. And then the, the number seven guy, Brandon Ennis, a wide receiver. Mm -hmm. This is wild. Is, is this the floodgate that we've been hoping for? I'm not saying that it's here. I'm not saying that it will happen. But is this is this what we were hoping for with Spencer Rattler and now Williams being on campus? 
Right. And so when you look at 2022, it's, it's good news there as well. Um, because you're looking at, um, Oklahoma addressing two needs on the defensive side of the ball over the weekend. You pick up, I don't know if you've seen this or not. I'm going to ask you a question and and maybe, you know, the answer, if you do blurt it out, you pick up a linebacker, Kip Lewis, and you pick up a defensive back corner, uh, specifically uh, in Tulsa's Jaden Rowe. Do you know which one's bigger? If I had to guess, I would have said the linebacker, but because you're asking the question, it says it's the cornerback. It is the cornerback. I mean, this kid. Well, I know height wise that he's six three. He's six uh, three and he's 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 two ten. Whoa. Where, where you're, yeah, that's, six three that's two like ten. That's like a linebacker. And your at the linebacker, high level. your linebacker, you picked up the commitment from is six <laughs> one two hundred. That's good. So he's two inches taller, ten pounds heavier than mm-hmm. the linebacker. But this dude, we've got some film at Heartland Heartland.sports.com. Uh, some of his track it's he's not just big rich he is fast and it lets you know that Alex Grinch is all in on on this and improving the size of the back end of this defense and guys like Jaden Rowe are going to be the new norm for this secondary and if you like what you saw in Jordan Mukes at the spring game with that size and level of physicality Rowe's coming in and he's he's going to be the exact same mindset but i think he's maybe even a little bit bigger than jordan muse and so um so that you've got that going for you it puts oklahoma's class for 2022 it it puts them at nine total commitments now and that's good for number one in the big 12 and um it breaks down like this you got one five star um you've got uh four four stars and three three star commitments uh who, who's your five star the, the for, receiver are you talking about for the who who do L- i have luther burden or is it ray league brown oh the, and the ones that are committed yeah yeah it, it's burden okay and and that's i go by 24 7 okay um and so you you've got that that breakdown so you here, here's how it is real fast i've mentioned the two defensive guys you already had Jordan Hudson. He's a four-star receiver. Luther Burden, five-star receiver. Talon Shedron, uh, four-star receiver. Kobe McKenzie, inside linebacker. He's four-star. Rayleigh Brown, the all-purpose back that should be a five-star, but he's four-star. And then you got the Jason Llewellyn tight end, uh, three-star. And then the center, uh, Demetrius Hunter, as a three-star. That's That's how those break down. But the question now is, who's next? Who's going to be that next commitment? Well, we, we've already talked about um, about the quarterback for 2023 who's potentially going to commit in in July. You, you mentioned Brandon Ennis, who's a, uh, a, a five-star wide receiver for 2023. He's got crystal ball predictions coming towards Oklahoma. Um, Caden Helms tied in, Justin Medlock inside linebacker. Yeah, but we need to be looking at 2022 here, Matt. Right, but I'm just saying who's going to be the next commitment. I, I'm hoping that it's a recommitment of Gentry Williams. I, it could be, but... I'm hoping. I'm not saying that it is. I'm hoping. All right, here's, here's who I'm going to... So is that, is that your... Tell me who you think would be the next... Man, we're, I have we'll no just clues. stick with 22. All right, I'm, I'm going to give you a name that I think you need to keep an eye on. He's only a three-star guy. But he's really good. 6'5", 222 tight end. Caden Helms is a name that you want to keep an eye on. I think he is probably going to be your next commitment for the University of Oklahoma. Could I've been wrong. I I've make make a habit of being wrong on this podcast. But I this kid, um, he's out of uh, 
uh, Bellevue West High School in New England. Um, he's, uh, and again, you look at the size, 6'5", 222 pounds. He's got 24 scholarship offers. And I just, I, man, th- this kid is, um, he's the real deal, man. And uh, I, I think, I think he's going to be that next, that next committee. If I had to bet money, he would have the best odds for um, for being Oklahoma's next commitment. Like I said, I have zero clues. It's not that I don't care. It's so hard <laughs> with the year that was 2020 and some of these. Uh, I said New England. I don't know why I said it's Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I don't know You're why. You're good. I, You're good. I didn't even catch that. It good. just went well, right over my head. Somebody caught it and they're like, "Dude, you're an idiot." It's it's Nebraska. So New England's not even a state. No, it's not. But good try. When it comes to Oklahoma, when it comes to recruiting in general, like I said, I don't really have any clues. The landscape has shifted so much, and there's a lot of online presence from these universities and these programs, and they're definitely, definitely utilized as a tool, and they're definitely being given weight by the individual, by the player who is exploring the possible commitment to a, a major university, whether that be Oklahoma or whether that be elsewhere. And so with the the, the ever-changing landscape, I think one player could commit to a university and then another player back off. It's just so difficult. Right. Like I said, it's not that I don't care. I just don't have a prediction for you. <laughs> okay. Uh, Big 12 softball this weekend, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, determine the conference regular season championship. Uh, we got you covered at heartland-sports.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Sports Heartland. We'd love to hear from you, how you agree, how you disagree with what we're saying, where we're going. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll be back sometime next week to recap some things, get ready for the Big 12 softball tournament. Uh, Boomer Sooner, everybody. <laughs>